Well, good morning. We well? Can you stand with me? We're going to pray and just get dive straight in. Just helps get the blood circulating. Why don't you just ask the Father right now to speak to you this morning. Father, I pray that your word, your precious word, would transform our lives today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Why don't you ask him? Ask him to transform your life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Grab your seat. Okay, today, we're, my name's Sam, by the way. How rude of me. Should have introduced myself. I'm Sam. Me and my family are part of this church community, part of the team here. It's privileged to be speaking. Uh, we're currently in a series called Healthy Roots, Healthy Fruit, with the whole idea of, as followers of Jesus, our mandate, if you like, is to concentrate on stuff beneath the surface, stuff that's hidden from the naked eye, things that are hidden from one another, that actually as we work on the root system of our lives, the heart, we'll talk about more of that as we get going, God deals with the fruit. So we work on our hearts, we deal with the root system, and in turn there's fruit out of our lives that people get to enjoy. And you know, that's really the heart behind this, this series. These messages are all about maturity. It's all about Christian maturity. You know, God's goal over your life, God's target on you, God's passion is that you look more like his son. You know, that, that's the goal, that we, we are more Christ-like. The Bible's really clear about that. We are being taken from glory to glory. We're being transformed to look more like Jesus day by day, moment by moment. So with that in mind, what we're going to look at today in terms of the next level of maturity in our series, we're going to focus on the things that come out of our mouths, not food. I'm talking about words, things that just seem to roll off the tongue. So if you have a Bible with you, can you turn to James? It's in the New Testament. And we're going to read, I think, seven, 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 maybe nine verses. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words will come up on the screen behind me as well. I'm going to read from the NIV version today. Here we go. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes... Great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. The tongue also is a fire and it's a world of evil among the rest of the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Man, that's deep, right? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. And listen to this. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we we bless or we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse man who have been made in God's image, God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water or bitter water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. 
Today, if you're a note taker, the title is Taming the Tongue. Now, to tame something means this, to harness or control, to render something useful, to be used for power, or to control something that is potentially dangerous or powerful. So the whole point of taming the tongue is that we understand by the, from the Bible, and this is the encouragement from James, that this little thing in our mouth holds incredible power. So this is the journey we're going to go on today. I'd like to break this message up into three sections. Section one is understanding that words have power. Sometimes we're really blind to this. Every single word that comes out of our mouth potentially holds power. Section two is we're going to look at what kind of words we use, being aware of how we speak. And then section three is really our responsibility. This is all about Christian maturity, like I'm saying, this whole series. So what is it on my life to own? What is it on your life to own? So let's look at the first bit that the tongue, the words, what we say has power. Verse 5 says, says, although the tongue is very small, it makes great boasts. I, I know that's me. I've been known as an exaggerator at times. Also in verse 6, it says, it's a world of evil among the rest of the body. In that graphic, the ESV version says it's a fire. Our tongues, our mouths are like fires, a world of unrighteousness. Verse 8 says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. The Amplified version says that our tongues are undisciplined and unstable. Man, I love that. My tongue is unstable. And so is yours. We've all heard it said, right? And maybe you've said it to others or maybe you've said it. Man, you need to learn how to button it. You need to zip it. You need to put a sock in it. Or you need to learn how to control your tongue. Or maybe you've said, oh, I nearly gave them a piece of my tongue. Quite disgusting, the thought really, isn't it? Maybe you're someone that's actually gone, uh, this is going to be true for all of us, I'm sure. I, can th- I could probably give you a hundred examples right now how I've thought to myself, Oh man, if only I could take those words back. I didn't really mean what I said, but it's too late now. My wife says that I have the ability to lift a room or poison a room. And that's not just by things I do, it's by things I say. And that's probably true of all of us. If you've been into a room with someone and you've gone, man, you've just brought a whole new atmosphere into this place just by what you've said. Do you know, maturity looks like a person that's able to render their words useful. To be able to say, do you know what, godly wisdom looks like I'm going to carefully steward and watch every word that comes out of my mouth. That's what godly wisdom looks like. Do you know, we often think things of massive size and scale are the most powerful things. Often that's the case. They hold great power, yes, But you know what? That's not always the case. Sometimes it's the smallest of things. Sometimes it's the most seemingly insignificant things that actually hold great power and influence in our lives. Would you agree? And this is what the writer James is wanting us to see. He 
he bridges this incredible contrast. He says, just the smallest of sparks is able to set a whole forest on fire. Just the small rudder of a ship, no matter how grand the ship, the pilot uses to steer and control the ship. That small bit that goes into the horse's mouth controls the whole beast. And this little waggly thing in our mouth, our mouths, small, yet dangerously powerful. Dangerously powerful. Do you know, God places a huge value on words. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus actually says, one day, on the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for every single careless word that falls from our mouths. I want you just just to think about that for a moment. One day, we'll give an account for every careless word spoken. He places a huge value on words. Proverbs 18.4, the first part of this verse, says the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. Isn't that graphic? They take us deep into deep water. Proverbs 18.6 and 7, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. This is the word of God, folks. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. So the first section complete. Small, yet incredibly powerful. God is asking us to steward this smallest member of our body, pretty much, to use it for his good. So I want to move into the next section. I want us to look at how we speak, the words we use. I want us to think of the effects, even the effects of my words today. I want to trust that what I share today somehow holds power. And it's nothing in and of myself, but somehow God uses our words and infuses Holy Spirit on them and it changes us. The word of God is the ultimate source, right? It is powerful. Something we need to be acutely aware of here in James chapter 3 verse 9 says with the tongue we bless or we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse man who's been made in his image. And then he says out of the same mouth kind of falls praise and cursing. You know that's true, right? And he says my brothers, my sisters, this should not be. Proverbs 19.21, we're going to bounce all over the Bible today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. What a challenging thought, friends. That in in our mouth, the words of our mouths hold two contrasts, praise and cursing. The same tongue is able to bless and destroy Build up or tear down. It is somehow the vehicle that brings life and healing or death and destruction. So with it, we're able to encourage or disencourage, discourage or disencourage. That means I'm able with my words to empower you or completely disempower you. That's the right word. With my words. With my words. Our words are so powerful. James says this should not be. And he he gives them this pictorial imagery. He said should both fresh water 
and bitter water or salt water flow from the same spring. And it's not a multiple choice. He's not saying, what do you think, guys? There's probably a million and one answers. He's saying, no. No, they shouldn't. Actually, it's an impossibility. In the natural, fresh water, salt, they just don't live together. And what he's wanting us to see is as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that's the same for us. We shouldn't have bitter water and fresh water flowing from the same spring in our lives. He uses this contrast so powerfully. And I want to challenge us because, man, this, is, this isn't just me standing here facing you saying, hey, how are you guys doing with this? Man, this is one of the most challenging things that I've been preparing this week because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm pretty horrible in areas. I realize that actually it doesn't come naturally. Although James is saying this should not be. This isn't a natural course, is it? It's not like we're suddenly born again by the Spirit and it's like, oh, how are you, brother? May the Lord bless you today and everything you stand for, as long as it's legal. That's not what happens. Our hearts are still twisted and they need kind of manipulating. God is at work on us, right? This whole thing, this whole root system is about maturity, being changed from glory to glory, like I've said. So I want you to think, as a born-again son or daughter of God, who now has the Holy Spirit living within you, the Holy Spirit is also referred to as living water in the Bible. So James has this imagery of fresh water, We carry living water, so living water should flow from us. That should be the natural outworking of our lives. Joe, Steph, when you encounter me, there should be some aspect of you going, man, Sam, we just feel fresh water flowing from you. I know we don't often use that language because we think one another is weird. I don't know why. But we should have that aspect of, man, when I'm around you, I just feel enriched. But very often that's not the case. Because we carry these two tensions. We are known by our fruits. That's what the Bible says. We will be known by our fruit. So he says, you know, can a fig tree produce olives? I didn't do too well at school, but I could answer that. No. Should a vine produce figs? No. What about a banana tree? What does that produce? Thank you, Andrew. Bananas. The Christian produces Jesus. Man, that's, it, it is sometimes the, the easiest of things to understand, but the hardest thing to live. My life should produce Jesus wherever I go. I should look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, smell like Jesus, taste like Jesus. Everything I do should reflect him. That's the goal of my life. And that's the goal on our lives. And we're going to be looking at this in a little while on the third section of how we do this. But for now, I just, we're going to spend a little bit more time in, term, in these two contrasts. We're going to look at uh, the negative first. We're going to look at the effects of bitter water, uh, salt water or cursing words, and then look at the positive. So a thought for you. Think about your body's reaction if you were to drink bitter water. Yeah, you recoil. There's something about it that makes you wince and cringe. It's, it's horrible. I remember a friend of mine once, where, there was a cigarette butt in a Coke can, and he took a big swig of it. Yeah, 
I want you to know that that's the imagery we're supposed to be accepted. Like, oh no. So somehow these cursing words leave people wincing and cringing and going, man, it feels like I've just swallowed bitter water. Let's look at the impact. You've heard it said before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. That's a lie. It's just not true. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but you better believe that negative words over your life can break your heart and crush your soul. And a lot of us here have been affected. A lot of our lives here, when Phil closed out the worship and said, look, we're all in a different place and space here. We all have different backgrounds and life experiences. You better believe that in this space alone, I, I included... My life has been defined by words spoken over me. What I believe to be true about myself. What I believe to be true about the environment I'm in. And actually what I believe to be true is actually how I begin to live. That's, that's what happens. It's my thought life. It's, it's what I believe true defines actually how I behave. So negative words and labels will define us. They just will. And I want to ask you, what's been spoken over your life? You know, the word idiot, the word fool, words like you weren't wanted, words like you're an accident, words like, why won't you just be like your brother? Words like, we didn't really want you. And I know some of you would be like, that's a bit extreme. Some of us in this room have heard that, spoken over our lives, and it's defined who we are today. So I want to ask you a question right now, and I'll just ask Holy Spirit to highlight to us. What has been spoken over you that has defined what you believe true? Holy Spirit, would you speak? Because we will pray at the end. We'll pray that those doors get shut on that negativity today. And you'll hear, like Phil said earlier, you'll hear the voice of the Father over you this morning. So that's the impact on us personally. You've had negative words spoken over you. The impact on those around us. Proverbs 15 verse 2 says, The mouths of fools pour out folly. You know, the Bible is very clear. If we pour out negativity, we're called a fool. So God, God, God speaks those words to us. So what kind of words do we carry in our hearts? And I'm going to just say a bunch of words here, and some of you might go, ouch. Critical. Everything is about, can I just give you some constructive feedback? That's the first thing in your agenda. You can keep your constructive feedback, if that's the first thing. You know, sometimes it's just super critical straight away. Great how you did that, but what about judgmental? What about sarcasm? Man, I'm guilty of that. I still find it the funniest form of humor. But if we're not careful, it can define things. It's like every time I encounter you, Sam, it's sarcasm. Negative, judgmental, aggressive. Just a little word on gossip here. We all love a bit of gossip. And I know it's true because the Bible wouldn't speak into it if it wasn't true. It's in all of our hearts. The Bible also refers to a gossip as a whisperer. 
I love that. It's Gollum-like. Come here, my precious. I've got a secret. That's what gossip does. It lures us in. It's, shh, come here. I've got something to tell you. But don't tell anyone. The Bible says that the words of a whisperer are like choice morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of our body. Choice morsels. It's like eating lovely steak that's been dipped in lemon juice. They go down to our innermost parts. And it also says that the gossiper or the whisperer separates close friends. You know, we don't just wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to tear people apart with my words. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run, run John down all day. That's my goal. That's my agenda. We don't do that. But the choice of words we use often comes from a, a point of tension. I want you to think about this for a moment. It's often out of a, a place of tension in your life. I know this is true for me. What, what is that tension point? I'll remember what Phil talked about last week about sometimes our feelings are dictated to. We, we have these warning lights that come on like on a car dashboard. So I want to ask you, what's your point of tension? Man, I feel like I'm rid- riddled with them. What's yours? Pressure? Busyness? You're back against the, the corner? If that's even a saying. Tiredness? Hunger? Clinically proved that people get hangry. I, I, anyone else get hangry? I do. I genuinely, if I'm hungry, feel like we're all doomed. My wife will testify to this. I'll come down sometimes in the morning, my joggers on, the hair everywhere, just like, I think the world's going to end them. And she's like, have, have you had some breakfast? I, I jest, but this is, this is honestly how it can play out. Now I feel we're doomed. I'm not sure about life. Um, and I'll be pretty serious, and then we'll have some toast, and we'll talk. I'll have some toast, and literally within minutes, I'll go, I think it's going to be all right. (laughs) I I think life's going to be fine. Have you had breakfast, darling? (laughs) Easily offended. What about defensiveness? Man, that's me. When you just feel like someone's challenged, you get super defensive. But easily angered. What about easily offended? What about envious or jealous? Here's one for you. I'm not looking at anyone right now, but I'm looking at me. What about in the car? Oh, man. This verse, with the same mouth we praise our Lord and Father and curse man, I could be singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Idiots! In the same breath, without even breathing. Without even breathing. And it's scary. It's scary because you realize that in my heart still is fresh water and bitter water. Remember what Phil said, my garden is my garden. What is my attitude? What is my feelings? What is mine to own? What are my choices? What about you? I can be in the car and literally be like, Lord, thank you for the birds. Look at the clouds. What are you doing? You know, I'm shouting at someone while still smiling at them. May the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you. I want to look at the, uh, the pressure that Jesus felt. 
because he is our greatest example. And he faced more tension than we will ever understand. The Bible's really clear. He identified with us at every twist and turn of life. He knows our suffering. And at the highest point of tension for him, when he was pinned upon a wooden cross, dying, screaming in agony, what does he say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. He could have called down a legion of angels to blitz the place. He could have shouted the most horrendous rhetoric from heaven, but he didn't. He calls out, forgive them, Father, while nails are being punctured into his skin. In Isaiah 53, this prophetic declaration of Jesus says of Jesus, he was oppressed and afflicted. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and he kept his mouth shut. Oh man, Jesus, make my life more like your life. My little life is nothing compared to what you face, Jesus. Yet you were led like a lamb to the slaughter for all of my wickedness and you kept your mouth shut. He's amazing. While talking about harmful words, this doesn't mean that we don't have disagreements. It doesn't mean that we're not going to challenge and confront each other at times, because that's right. Sometimes that's just life. We will disagree. But the issue is how we disagree. I remember hearing this lady who was becoming an MP, and she was asked, she was a Christian lady, beautiful lady. She was asked, how, how are you in this place of parliament? How are you in this position? How do you keep your heart safe? You know, how, what, what, what do you do when you disagree? And she said, my goal is to always leave the other person intact. And I love that. So even though we disagree, our goal is always to leave the other person fully restored, fully intact. The Bible says that let our conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. And we can live like that. So that's bitter water. Now I want to transition into fresh water. So with the tongue, we, we bless and we curse. So we're now on the bless. We're with the tongue, we praise. We look at the impact. With our mouths, we praise the Lord and Father. That's great. But I believe also the call on our lives is to bless those that have been made in his image. And do you know who that is? Every single human life. The current elections that's gone on in the States, you know, it grieves me at times, my own heart's response. Regardless of what we feel is right and wrong, we are never to kill people with our words. I just want to challenge us all there. We are never, ever called to kill people with our words. We're called to bless. We're called to lift up. We're called to protect those that have been made in his likeness. Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. I love that. Gentle tongue is a tree of life. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion. And check this out. That it may give grace to those who hear it. You know, our words, David, your words, that you may be grace to those who hear you. Isn't that a beautiful goal? Lord, when I wake up today, when I interact with humanity, may my words be grace to those that hear me. 
You know, we're a people that carry words of life because I've said we've got the river of life flowing on the inside of us. We have Holy Spirit bubbling like a brook on the inside of us. And remember, wherever we go, he goes. He's not just here in this space. As soon as we leave today, we carry him everywhere. And you know what I believe more than anything right now (laughs) is that what's going to help a lost, broken, and dying world is those that are convinced that we have the words of life. Wherever we go, we carry words of life. We carry seeds of life that can germinate and change lives. You know, just over a decade ago, someone proclaimed the word of life into my life and it germinated and I became born again. Jesus did it, but someone was willing to throw out the gospel to me. We carry the words of life. And you know, we are a prophetic people. Do you know what the prophetic means? It means that we get to hear God together. You know, sometimes we we think it's mysterious and spooky. But ultimately, all it is, is we get to hear the Father. And we get to tell those in front of us what the Father thinks. I love it. I love it. The prophetic ministry is a a gift to bless and build. Not to leave people thinking, man, I feel condemned. New Testament prophetic ministry is to bless and build. Because Jesus has taken the punishment on the cross. So what we're doing is just pointing towards him. To say, you don't need to be alone anymore. Because he did it for you. So with this in mind, we get to communicate to people, this is exactly who you are. And this is what God thinks of you. They're the words we carry. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those that find them and healing to all their flesh. There's something so profound about the words we choose to use because they can actually be life and healing to people. They can Life and healing. Let's look at some of the empowering ways we speak. Love and affirmation. Love and affirmation. Just as the the statement, I love you, is more powerful than we think. To affirm someone is more powerful than we think. To praise, to encourage, to bring confidence, to comfort and give strength. I know when we lost a dear friend of ours, there were no words that could bring him back. All I needed at times was a friend to sit with me and say, man, I love you. And I'm with you. Comfort and strength. Forgiveness. Do you know, sometimes the most profound thing you can do is rock up to someone that you've offended and say, do you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My bad. Please, will you forgive me? It's beautiful. It's healing to our bones. Truth. Peace. And joy, and you know what? We are those that carry hope into this world. Hope into this world. And you know, the, the age we live in, it's not just about the words that come out of our mouths. We live in an age now, Facebook, Twitter, emails, carrier pigeons, everything. Everything that you can think of that gets information somewhere else can be used. And I want to address that as well. It's not just what we say. Sometimes we think we can ping off an email and it's full of poison. 
So it's guarding our hearts at every turn. Now, many of you know a guy called Wayne Davis. Him and his family were part of this church community for several years. He's an incredible encourager. And just in our journey of moving here, I looked at my phone the other day, and within under a year, I had 22 separate text messages of encouragements from Wayne. Just saying, this is who you are, bro. I was going to try and do his accent. This is who you are. This is what God says over you. I want you to know that God, every single time it was like it came from heaven itself. God, that was exactly what I needed to hear. So what Wayne had done, and this is what we can do, we just tune into the Father. This is how easy it can be to prophesy into people. God, highlight someone for me. Who do you want to speak to today? What do you want them to know about you? What do they need to know today? And you know what? As long as it builds up, it strengthens, it encourages, it comforts, go for it. Because it probably is just what they need to hear. You know, we have the Spirit of God speaking in us and through us. And it's beautiful. I need to move on. Okay, listen. This is, I had stuff to say of all sorts of stuff. Just stuff. But I'm going to finish with the last section here. Our responsibility. So what do we do? How do we harness the tongue? We've heard that the tongue is powerful. Hopefully you're convinced by that. We, we know that there's ways that we can talk that will influence and change people. We've, we've heard about that. So how do we do this? How do we do this? In the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is stored up in our hearts ultimately comes out of our mouths. And our goal, like we said last week, the week before that, when Emma spoke, the whole series is all about keeping our hearts with all vigilance, watching over our hearts, keeping a look at, keeping a careful guard of one's heart, because from the heart flows life. What we've stored up in our hearts will effectively come out of our mouths. So it's not a tongue issue. It's not a word issue. It's not a mouth issue. It's a heart issue. The heart is the source of life. Proverbs, I'll read it again. Chapter 4, 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance because from it flow springs of life. The very next verse. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. So do you know how you guard your heart? Is by making sure crooked speech... And devious talk is far away from you because there's a two-way river going on. What comes out of our mouths is actually what's stored up in our hearts. And the way we store good treasure in our hearts is by speaking well. Genuinely. You know it's right. When you speak well, when you're positive, that somehow deposits stuff into our hearts. There is a responsibility on all of us, absolutely, to make right choices. That's on me. That's my garden. That's my world. It's on me, but it's not done on willpower alone. It's through a partnership with God. We can't stress this enough. If it was just down to my human effort, I'd fail every time. But the point of Jesus dying upon a cross and then being buried and then risen from death itself and ascended to the Father, and he has sent the promised Holy Spirit, is that Jesus knew 
that his friends, his brothers and sisters, the father's children need help. So he has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live. So the way, the ultimate way that we guard our hearts and we have life transformation, I want to spring back to the beginning of this whole series. We abide in Jesus. We abide in him. And you know what? It's really not rocket science. How do we abide in him? We live and we stay in his word. The Bible says that we don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father. The the Bible itself says it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's powerful. It's living and active. It chases after us. Sometimes I just walk into my kitchen and this thing's radiating at me. As if God's saying, read me. Read me. Understand my word. So I want to encourage us as a church community. It's not just down on some people to understand the word and then disseminate it. It's on all of us to live in this thing. To eat it. To munch it. To meditate on it. To dwell on it. To understand what it's saying to us. Because we meet God in it. So we live. We stay in his word. Also we go on being filled with Holy Spirit. Do you know, something I feel challenged more and more in a positive way is I make it hard for myself. And I think God just wants us to have a continual awareness of his presence. Just wherever I am, he is. And I can just say, God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're on me, in me, through me. So reading his word, being continually aware of his presence, waking up every day going, oh God, would you baptize me afresh with love? that I might be loved to everyone I come in contact with? Would you baptize me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Also to set our minds on things above. Colossians 3, Philippians 4 talks about thinking well. And we think well when we put our mind where he is, where we're meant to live. And this is the result. Galatians 5, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and for this word self-control would flow through our lives would flow through our lives would you stand with me I want to encourage you with uh, two things and then I guess we'll pray I know it's one of those words that's just Sometimes we just need to hear those things that we're reminded of again. This is the goal to life. Choose to live like this. What words personally am I listening to? The devil is a liar. He's cunning and he's crafty. And he's looking to lie to us at every turn. What lies am I listening to what am I choosing to listen to over my life because as Phil said and as I've got in my notes here the voice we need to hear louder than any other voice is that of the father saying my son my daughter in whom I love with you I'm so pleased that's what you need to hear above and beyond any other voice over your life regardless of what you're going through the father saying man I'm pleased with you You're my son, my daughter, whom I love. So that's a a personal level. 
And then this is what you carry. You can genuinely choose day by day, moment by moment to say, is the word that is about to come out of my mouth going to bless this person? Is it going to encourage them? Is it going to comfort them? Is it going to give them strength? Because you can think before you speak. We can think before we speak. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's our goal, folks. Friends, that our lives are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Holy and pleasing to the Lord. A life that honors him and is pleasing to him. And through this, somehow my life is honoring and pleasing to those who are around me. Somehow my life is life to those around me. So I want to pray. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? There's this beautiful prayer in one of the Psalms where David says, Search me and know me, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then lead me in the way everlasting. So just ask Holy Spirit right now to search you. Ask him, say, God, what have I, what have I heard over my own life? Because I want to hear your voice afresh. Search my heart. Holy Spirit, be the spotlight on my heart today. God, fill us with your word today. Fill us with your word. Would your voice vibrate in our souls? Would your voice vibrate in our minds? Would your voice be louder than any other voice in our lives? I ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Guys, thank you so much. Man, I love you, but he loves you so much more. I want you to know that the Father loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine.